Hi! Hey, welcome to The Cordial Catholic, a podcast for non-Catholics, for new Catholics, those looking to dig deeper into the Catholic faith. I'm Kay Albert Little, an evangelical convert to Catholicism, and this podcast is born out of one particular idea. To fill in the gaps between what do you think Catholics believe, that's us, and what we actually do. It began for me really when I encountered a Protestant pastor who asked me the question, what's more important, the Bible or tradition? It was a question from, from left field. I didn't know how to answer it. So I began to look into the Christian history, the history of my faith, the history of the Bible, where it came from, how it was put together, what books were in, what books were out. And I encountered then in the study of Christian history, the Catholic Church, and for the first time read Catholic theology, Catholic history from the, the roots, from, from the actual voice of the Catholic Church, and realized then that I thought I knew what the Catholic faith was based in large part on misinformation and more often than not on simple misunderstandings. Well, the point and purpose of this show is to fill in the gap between what you think we believe as Catholics and what we actually do. This week, I am joined by Renzo and Monica Ortega to unpack something I think is just fundamental to understanding the Catholic faith, and that is the Catholic view of marriage and of sex. And it's a fantastic conversation. Renzo and Monica are are the the heads behind the To Become a Family apostolate. They are really steeped in the teaching of the church on marriage, sexuality, the family, uh, husbands, wives, what it all means, how it all fits together. And this is is a wonderful presentation, a wonderful explanation of exactly how those things all fit together. Guys, time and again, I am I am asked of, of myself, or I hear from guests on this show, that the Catholic view of marriage, of sex, of sexuality, is so intriguing, and so beautiful, and wonderful, and exciting, it's drawing so many people into the church, and in deeper. And guys, I think I know why, because it is incredible. And Renzo and Monica do a fantastic job of laying out exactly what that is this week on the show. And really, guys, it's going to blow your minds. It's amazing. A wonderful conversation. So, some truly wonderful Catholics who have a really good sense of what it means to be married, what Catholic marriage is, and how it all fits together in a beautiful theology. Guys, it's amazing conversation. I hope you enjoy it. This conversation and others on this show are brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash cordialcatholic and our one-time sponsors at paypal.me slash cordialcatholic. If you want to help to underpin this show, keep it going and growing week after week, those links are in the show notes. And thanks to those who are already supporting the show week after week. Thank you for your support, your prayers, and your financial gifts. Thank you. And now, without any further ado, my amazing conversation with Renzo and Monica Ortega on the, the, the mind-blowing teaching of the Catholic Church on marriage and on sex. I think you'll love it, guys. Please listen and enjoy. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. If you are watching on YouTube, please make sure you subscribe to this channel, uh, like this video, and leave some comments. Let us know what you think of this conversation. It's going to be an awesome one down below in the comments. And thanks for watching. If you're listening on podcast, well, thanks for listening. Make sure you follow the show on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, and please leave a rating or review. That helps to push the podcast out to more people and gets conversations like this to a wider audience who are going to love to hear it. So thank you. This week. Uh, a fantastic conversation, one I've been looking forward to for a while, guys, and I know that you will also love to hear. I am joined by Renzo and Monica Ortega. They are ministry leaders, podcast hosts, authors, and speakers. They host the popular Pre-Caning with the Pope podcast. It's fantastic. They're co-authors of the children's devotional, Go to Joseph for children, and they are the leaders, uh, the, the the brains uh, and, and bodies, the, the people behind the <laughs> To Become Family uh, online uh, marriage apostolate. It's fantastic. Guys, I, personally, uh, we love your stuff. So this for me is, is, a, is personally an awesome conversation to, ha- to have. I'm excited to have you guys in the show. And uh, listeners, I think, are going to just eat this up. So welcome to the show, and thank you for being here, guys. And hello. 
Hey, thank you so much for having us. We're so excited to be here. Very happy to be here. I'm I'm really excited because I I love your stuff. It's an awesome uh, area for ministry, awesome area for conversations and and topics. I love your podcast. You guys are so honest and and open and frank with conversations that you have on the show. You're very vulnerable. You're very open and honest, and it it makes for authentic. You know, a, a picture of an authentic Catholic marriage, struggles and all, uh, what you're going through, what you're, what you're thinking, how you're processing things, the guests you have on the show, it, it's awesome stuff, guys. So I feel like it's a treat for me to have you on my show to talk to you. Uh, so so thank you. And I was mentioning before we, we hit the buttons and, and begin recording this, that this is one of those areas uh, where people that I talk to on the show and correspond with over email or on social media who are looking into the Catholic faith. This area of, of marriage, uh, of, of, of sex, of what, what the Catholic Church uh, sees and understands these things to be, this is an area where there, there are so many conversions these days, so many people who are looking into to the Catholic faith who are, who are non-Catholic Christians who are experiencing confusion in the theology of their denomination or their friends around them who have different ideas than they do of what, of what marriage means and what it is and how it should look like and, and what, what sex should be. These things are, are what's driving so many people to look into theology of the body and the Catholic Church and what, and what marriage is from the, the Catholic perspective. And, and you guys know, uh, I know, my wife and I know as, as a couple of converts, the beauty and the richness of the Catholic teaching in these areas. So to bring this to a wider audience on my show, people who are hungry for these kind of conversations, who are looking at the Catholic Church and going, what do they believe about marriage and sex and family and how they understand that? This is just such an, an area that I'm just thrilled to bring to, to, to my audience to show them, yeah, guys, check this out. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, we're so excited to have this conversation. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to I begin by asking you guys maybe about the, the genesis of thinking about, uh, about these kinds of topics. Uh, I, I know for many listeners to this show, that catalyst, you know, they encounter a version of, of, of marriage or teaching on marriage or teaching on sex or something in their Christian, uh, non-Catholic Christian church that confuses them. And we get to look elsewhere and go, what else is there? What else, what are the Christian denominations? What are the Christian groups teach about these kinds of, of things? And I know a lot of a lot of Catholics, Catholics don't always understand actually the, the deep theology and rootedness and beauty of what Catholic Church teaches about marriage and sex and family and those things. So for you guys, where did that interest and that, and that genesis come from for you guys to begin digging into these topics and then, and then writing and, and podcasting and beginning an apostolate uh, uh, surrounding these kind of topics? Where did that begin for you guys? So the, the, the genesis of, of where we are right now really began from, um, I would say my failures as a husband in our marriage. Um, and, and this was, this was after both of us having huge conversions, being completely in love with Jesus and, and just diving into our faith. Um, you know, we were married about three years and even though we had our faith and, and we were really, really solid in our faith, living out marriage and family life was a lot more difficult than uh, we thought it would be. <laughs> and then realizing I, in hindsight, I was, I was, again, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating how much of an epic failure I was, but, <laughs> oh, no. um, I, I, I struggled so much in, in my daily roles as a husband and father. Um, and that led to a lot of, a lot of, um, just searching and, you know, thanks be to God. I had, we had the church to go to because, um, I believed in what the church taught, but I didn't understand how to live it out. Um, so I jumped to, uh, St. John Paul's writings and, yeah, and, yeah. and particularly his, his, I started with one of his, um, writings on St. Joseph. Um, and then that kind of gave me an example that a tangible example of like, okay, this is what fatherhood looks like. Um, and then jumping into his love and responsibility, sorry, St. Jo- um, St. John Paul's book, love and responsibility, his theology of the body. Um, and then seeing, the fullness of the church's teaching on sexuality and just seeing how, how that speaks so much into my role as a husband and father, that, that the idea of self gift isn't just something that's, that's meant for the bedroom, but it's meant for my entire vocation, uh, which is something that I had not fully integrated into my 
whole life. Um, I was really good at like the, in my mind, I'm like, well, is there any, if anybody ever breaks into the house, like obviously <laughs> I'll take care of it. Um, but little did I know that I had to die to myself every moment that I was in the home and not just in my, in my imagination when things went bad. Um, and then from there encountering St. John Paul's stuff and then integrating into our marriage and seeing that we weren't the only ones struggling in this way, we figured if we start sharing more about our struggles and sharing more about our journey, um, it would hopefully help others avoid a lot of the pitfalls that, that we fell into. Yeah. I think too, we had, um, our conversions or our, uh, yeah, we, we were raised in the Catholic church, but by pretty nominal Catholic parents. Um, so we, we had our conversions, um, sometime in high school and, we dove in pretty heavy into theology and we really tried, we were, we're both like rule followers. So like, we were like, okay, so we're going to really follow all the rules. We're going to do the recipe. And then, you know, the rest of life should just be easy because we did all the things we checked all the boxes. And, um, and I mean, to a certain extent, I'm grateful that we had that, uh, those seeds were planted, that there were, there were certain things that we were implementing in our life, even if we didn't um, necessarily like live them deep, deeply rooted. We were kind of practicing a lot of things. Um, but also a lot of our motivation to share this, you know, newfound like lived experience was, um, our time in youth ministry. And, and then as our kids in youth, our teens in youth ministry started becoming young adults and we were like, Oh my goodness, we want to share this with you because this is stuff that we didn't learn in high school, you know, and, and now, um, now that you're like age appropriately ready for these things, um, a lot of our former teens started getting engaged and married or dating or discerning vocation. And I really think that's, that was kind of the kick in the pants that we needed to start the online apostolate because we had former teens all over the country and we're like, wait, 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 there's more stuff we didn't tell you. (laughs) So here, listen to this, um, or, or read this or what have you. And, um, because it was just, we just had so many moments of like, why did no one tell us this? And like, so many people are experiencing this and no one's really like, it's hard to talk about because it's vulnerable. It's intimate. Um, and I don't know, maybe it's a, maybe it's a problem that we don't really have filters when it comes to that, but we just had so many moments <laughs> of like, why did no one say this to us? So we're just hopeful that like uh, some of these conversations that we have, couples can have these conversations too, and they could be as jumbled <laughs> as ours are, <laughs> but just invites them, encourages them to just dive into that stuff. Yeah. I think that's fantastic. And, you know, this is one of those things that really, there are all kinds of of hidden gems, right? As you begin to become a Catholic, look into the church and live out that Catholic life, right? Whether you're a Catholic for a long time or, or, or a convert, the more you kind of age in the Catholic church, you know, begin to get, get married, begin to have kids, raise a family, you discover along the way so many of these things that you didn't really know a whole lot about maybe and are uncovering and you realize, oh my gosh, the Catholic church has a an amazing vision for what marriage looks like, for, for sexuality, mm-hmm. for what being a father or a mother looks like. Well, of course it does. You realize in hindsight, well, of course it does, because it's, it's the church. Like, you know, Christ founded this thing. But you, you discover them, and you're like, wow, this this is amazing. And it's it all, I, I always, when I try to explain this to, to somebody that I'm, that I'm talking with or who's, who's dipping their toes in the Catholic church, I always say, like, this, the, I always say that, the reason why the Catholic Church says that, that marriage is between one woman and, and one man comes from the same place that talks about, well, why we value relics or prayers to the saints or understand the real presence. Like all of these things, they fit together in, the, in this kind of seamless whole, right? No matter how kind of piecework it might feel sometimes, the more you dig into it, the more connected everything is in Catholic theology. And I think this... For us as a couple, my wife and I, and many people who who make that conversion journey from non-Catholic Christian to to Catholic, that seamlessness of the Catholic Church is in such stark contrast to what many understand marriage and sex and sexuality and, and family to be in Christian denominations where those teachings are very much separate kind of things. Like, oh, this scripture here tells me what, what I should know about sexuality. The scripture here explains what a husband and wife do. The scripture here explains this. And they're all separate things. But the Catholic Church presents this as a, as a whole coherent thing. 
So I wonder when you begin to encounter this, did it did you did you feel that coherence between all these different parts of Catholic teaching begin to come together? Was that your experience when you began to look into this? Well, absolutely. And especially, uh, I, I think everyone talks about uh, St. John Paul and the theology of the body. Um, but a lot of times I think what happens is that they've read someone who's written about the theology of the body, but not particularly St. John Paul's writings. And the, the coherence is actually something that stood out to me when I started reading it because, um, so like St. John Paul in in his writings of the theology of the body, which was 122, 128, one of those numbers, uh, the, the amount of like a general audiences he gave, um, he talked about, he uses the 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 phrase of uh, a husband should leave his wife, and husband should leave his father and mother and cling to his wife, and then two will become one flesh. Um, that is used often in different parts of sacred scripture. So it's used in in, in Genesis, but also used in, in the Gospels, and then also used again by St. Paul. Um, and St. John Paul uses those moments as like jumping off points. And he connects the, the Old Testament to the New Testament to after the Gospels um, in such a seamless way that I had not thought about prior to him because I, I had seen okay there's creation out of an eve and that was one box and like okay this is yeah, then there's yeah, jesus yeah. talking about divorce like that's and, and lusting after you know you can't lust you can't do things that's another box and then saint paul talks about how the husband is what you know has to love his wife as a church and that's a different box but i never saw the connection um until reading theology of the body and then seeing that that the idea of of Christ being the church's bridegroom and, and, and God and, you know, pursuing his bride of ancient Israel, how all those, all of that narrative was meant to come together and be seen through, through the same lens together um, and not be separate teachings. Um, and I think all that, that really opened up to me, at least the, the gravity of the marriage that we were in of like, Oh, we're supposed to be an image of that. Yeah to the world. And then, and then, yeah. And then understanding like communion and, and the, the Eucharist and then like, Oh, we're supposed to be some sort of image of that as well. It's just, it, it was mind blowing and, and overwhelming and humbling at the, all in the same time, all at the same time. <laughs> yeah. And then I think, I think practically speaking, like you were saying, theology of the body was just such a, a helpful tool for so many people, including us to kind of make those connections who like St. John Paul, the great was just like, Hey guys, you you've been missing a lot of this, you know, cohesiveness. Um, but from like a very human formation perspective as well, just how integrated a human is like your spirituality and your psychology and your sexuality and your physiology and, and all of these things are what, like make you, you. And then in marriage, like those two humans come together. And so, um, you know, to, to over-spiritualize or under-spiritualize things can, can cause problems because yes, like communication is really important and your, your sex life is really important, but so is, um, so are the sacraments. And so, uh, so is taking care of your body and, and being healthy and all of these things. And it's like, wow, the church is, always like recognizing the whole human person as well. And then the, you know, the church at large, the worldwide church is recognizing this, this wholeness, this, this um, like we are Christ's body, you know? And so I think, um, yeah, it's kind of mind blowing when you put all those pieces together that you're like, wow, I, like I myself am part of this bigger thing, this bigger story. Um, and all of the pieces of me are important. Um, yeah, like one part that just stuck out as you're saying that um, that we were able to uh, to integrate into our marriage right away was um, like St. John Paul talking. He talks about how shame enters mm -hmm. into into the the human story through through sin and how um, Adam and Eve uh, clothe themselves from one another, you know, out of fear of being used and and, you know, fearing their beloved who at moments ago they saw each other with only love and, and knew that, you know seeing that idea and being like, yeah, that happens in our marriage too, right? Mm -hmm. There's, there's times where I'm not naked without shame because, and not just physically, but just spiritually, emotionally, because I'm afraid that you could misuse uh, me and if I'm vulnerable to you in any type yeah. of way and the same vice versa. Um, and just like Monica saying, seeing the integration of theology with, 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 with our entire human experience um, was something that was very, 
uh, important to encounter at the time that we did in our marriage. <laughs> that's great. That's great stuff, guys. You guys are awesome. I I <laughs> I love this. It's wonderful. Uh, I wonder. Okay, this is a big question now. How would you? define it someone would ask you okay what's what is the catholic view of marriage how does the church understand what marriage is that's a big big question and you guys could probably spend Mm -hmm. 10 seasons of your podcast unpacking that but i wonder if i asked you that question just cold on the spot what would you say about how the catholic church understands what marriage is I apologize in advance for my, my nerd out. Yeah, I was going to say, you're going to nerd out right now. Right. So <laughs> I saw it in no, the space. No, in my face. Um, <laughs> so at least this is how I would word it. I, mean, I can't speak for Monica, and I'm sure she'll give you practical tips after. Um, but the, the way I've been able to um, conceptualize marriage and, and, and be able to speak, talk about it to others Um because we, you know, we all believe the, the basic, you know, basic idea that we, you know, man has sinned. Jesus has come to, to save us from our sins. He's died for, died for our sins. And now we are reconciled to the father. Um, but one thing that I've been really diving into is the idea of redemption and, and how though we are reconciled to the father, we still have all these things within us that, that, that we want to get out. We want, God wants to perfect us from it. God wants to redeem us in some way. Um, and for a lot of people, the way that God, the the vehicle that God is using to redeem us is the sacrament of marriage, um, because there's things within us that that really take a lot of deep rooted, a lot of shoveling and getting down there, um, and and the way that God does that is specifically through the sacrament, because that's our vocation, that's how we are going to be we reconciled completely to God and be redeemed, um, and. In in the Catholic Church, we believe it's a it's a sacrament, so that there's there's grace that's being given and received in in the sacrament. Um, and I see marriage as the for at least for us, like this is where God is redeeming us, so that we could fully participate in the cross, um, fully participate in the crucifixion and the resurrection. And it's through the sacrament of marriage that that's happening. Um, so that hopefully, if I participate in this well, I am closer to perfection at the moment of my death, um, so that I can fully be with Jesus at the end of time. Um, but that's the, that's how I see marriage at this time because of other books I've read. So (laughs) how would you define that? Yeah, I think marriage is our, is our invitation to, to that salvation story. Right. Um, because we, yeah, we're invited to, to image the Trinity. We're invited to image Christ and his relationship with, with the people, but that is our, it's our invitation to like live that daily moment to moment. And, Mm -hmm. um, and how, how willing are we to be as intimate as God is with us? You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. it's our, it's our invitation to respond to his intimacy, um, in a way that we humans can understand and can do and little by little, grow in virtue and grow in intimacy and grow in knowledge of ourselves, grow in knowledge of Christ, um, have a better understanding of, of suffering and have a better understanding of the fruitfulness of suffering, the fruitfulness of love. Um, yeah. So like in our own home, we are invited to, to live that, that greater, that greater gospel story. Mm -hmm. Um, and And it's not always pretty, which like I, I think that's something we in in our own work we've tried to really balance the the idea of like yes we're enter- you're entering a great adventure but it's it's not always easy and sometimes it looks like you know you, you think to yourself like what am I doing um, I'm thinking recently about um, a friend of ours who just had their first child um, and I remember talking to him after I think it was two weeks in and he's you know lacking sleep he's not. <laughs> He, he's just, just, he's just surviving. And I said to him at the end, like, this is hard, right? And he's like, this is so hard. And I was like, it's beautiful though, right? He's like, I've never done a thing that's more sanctifying in my life. <laughs> but like, it's, it's so beautiful, but it's so difficult. But it, and it's, that's, it's there that we live in like this, but this is marriage. And this yeah. is what it's supposed to be. Yeah. And it's that reframing of adventure, right? Because mm-hmm. sometimes the adventure is doing like a fifth load of laundry in one day, <laughs> yeah. you know? And like, that is... That is the task that's been set before you to be done with love and not with resentment. Mm-hmm. And that's where like some of that purging of 
<laughs> of sin comes in. <laughs> and then sometimes it's this amazing like love story and things are going great. And you're just like, wow, I see God in every moment of this. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then sometimes it's in real deep suffering. It's in, it's in health crises or job crises or things like that. Like there, I think we have to reframe adventure that it's always, um, you know, like a superhero story, but, um, but I mean, in reality, like the best way to, practice virtue is actually to be challenged to do that every day. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, guys, I love that. That That's awesome. And I was telling you before I hit the button to record the show, how we have been as a family sick for the last four weeks, just awful sick. Mm-hmm. Our fridge is a pharmacy right now, full of antibiotics, different different mixtures for different age of kids and adults. And we're all uh, a mess. And on the, on the recovering end of it, finally, uh, thanks be to God. But it was a rough season for us. It was that part of that, that rough adventure part when you're sick your spouse is sick the kids are all sick you're trying to manage this all together and, and hold it all together and practice virtue and show the kids what it means to, to suffer well and to give of yourself as best you can and that was rough for us but the season before that like we're in a season right now for our family and listeners to the show will probably uh, know this that we made a big move in the last year or so to a new city a new job new house all, all kinds of new things and it's been blessing after blessing after blessing for us to take to take that challenge and and follow the Holy Spirit where He led us this this new adventure. So there's there's two sides to that right. There's this amazing the the fun adventure that feels like we're on the edge of our seats and what will come next and God's just raining down blessings upon us in all sorts of shapes and sizes, and then we're hit with this sickness where it's a whole other kind of adventure, like you say, right? And in both of those things, we were growing in our in our marriage, growing in our vocation, growing in who we were as parents and as Catholic people, as individuals, uh, you know, helping our kids to grow, and, and th- they're growing watching us and the experiences, both in, in, in the good, in the following God and having an adventure, and just that that suffering, like both both ends of that. And I think maybe daily grind is is the wrong word, but I think many would maybe resonate with that idea. Like that some days you are just doing five loads of laundry or, or more, or just going through the motions, but that rubbing of you against your spouse in that sense, right? Of you against your, mm-hmm. your, your children uh, in that, that just kind of, I don't know, grinding down is, is the wrong, again, the wrong idea that that kind of sounds terrible, but there's that purifying, right? There's that, that yes. purpose of the vocation to, to make you, even in those small details, more and more like, like Christ, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, like he, he exemplified that servitude, right. To his family, to his brothers by washing their feet. Right. Yeah, and he right. was like, here, I'm going to go and do the dirty work um, because I love you. And like, and I feel like those are the opportunities in marriage that we could either miss or we could, we can dive into that. We can grow in intimacy by acknowledging when the spouse is doing the dirty work by doing the dirty work together, you know, and things like that. And there's such an intimacy that can be achieved through, um, through servitude and through, um, through acknowledgement of servitude. Hmm. Yeah. And, and I, it, it makes me think of, um, back to like, why when we first started our whole thing was the the image of saint joseph and and saint joseph's obedience is something that that really stuck to me um and then and then just in prayer just thinking about that christ would have seen saint joseph say you know not my will but your will be done in, in everything he did um and then that's also christ in the agony of the garden so it's something that was exemplified by saint joseph um christ is also living that out and then we're also tasked to do that as well and like and just bedtime I'd never want to do bedtime as great as it is. And the kids and the story, I, they, 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 I'm just up and I don't have my threshold of staying awake is not as high as it used to be. And I don't want to spend it in the room until they fall asleep. And, but, and there's just a lot of things in family life that like, I don't want to be doing, but it's not my will. It's your will God. And like, you've put me in this place in this, and then being able to find joy in those, those moments is, is something that, was a struggle, but I'm on the other side of that now. And I I fully understand it. I have more self-possession, so I'm able to give more of myself. Yeah. I think even too, like too, it takes a while sometimes like the, it's, it's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of marathon running instead of sprinting. Bedtime, bedtime. Yeah, bedtime. But like (laughs) that too. But even just, so like the fruit that comes from 
doing those things that you're like in the moment, I don't like to do, but like for bedtime, for example, and like spending time, I know you were talking before you, you press record too, just like (laughs) spending that time with your kids is they have a sense of security though. Right. And they will turn to their father because he's there like, and that they know that he is constant and he is available to them. And, and so, yeah, it's sometimes like that we live in a world of instant gratification and marriage and family life is the opposite. Like it is the opposite, but the fruit that can come from really diving into the, what marriage is meant to be and what family life is meant to be has this beautiful fruit that like, it's what everybody wants, but it's like, how do you go about doing it? Well, it's about, it's about doing all those things, you know, over and over again until, until the, the fruit starts growing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that. And I'm thinking too about marriage as vocation and the idea that if you are, are, are Catholic and believe in, in marriage as vocation, you believe also that, that God chose your spouse and that path for you, right? In a sense, you're following God's will and discerning marriage like that. So you have to believe that that, that spouse it's kind of handpicked for you for certain reasons, right? Mm. I think in, in our mm. in our relationship, the, you know, I, the longer we're, that we're married, you, I can I know exactly why certain reasons why my spouse was, was picked <laughs> for me because those things that she draws out in me that she calls me to be better at are the exact things mm-hmm. that I need to improve in t- time and again. Like she sees those faults so well. And on a, on a good day, we help one another to gently kind of steer those faults towards good, right? Mm-hmm. To, to redeem, you know, you mentioned before, our, ourselves in that way, right? So that just, I mean, for me, even, even deepens the idea of vocation to think that, you know, you are in this vocation, the purpose of the vocation is really to, to redeem you, to redeem the world, to become more like Christ, to prepare yourself to, to serve to eventually one day be in heaven face-to-face, the beatific vision. Like, this is all aimed towards that. And yeah, your spouse is, is the exact right person to help you do that, right? That's kind of that's exciting and kind of terrifying, too. Yeah. yeah. I think of um, I think of the significance of the wedding bands when you say that. Yeah. Um, because so often we think of um, the wedding bands is like, I wear this. So other people know that I'm married, you know, and like, this is kind of my sign that I'm married. Um, but for Catholics, the, the wedding band is, I am giving, I'm giving you this ring as a sign of my love and fidelity. So it's proving that you were chosen Mm. by this other person to love forever and, um, or to be loved by forever. And, in those times where we're being perfected by our spouse gently and lovingly, (laughs) we can also be reminded that like they chose us though. Like they're doing this because they chose us and, and they are part of my path to heaven. Um, but like, because they chose us and they love us, you know? So sometimes I think that, um, it can, yeah, it can be hard and humbling, but at the same time to try to remember that like the, the foundation of this is this mutual choice to enter into vocation. Mm-hmm. Like we both discern this, you know, and, and this is God's will for both of us. Um, and we chose to say yes to that. So I think that's, there's something pretty beautiful about mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. In our complementarity, like I, like you said, I definitely know why Monica uh, <laughs> was, <laughs> is my spouse. And, and there's, there's strengths that I do not have and will never have that she definitely has. And, and, um, it's, it's made our marriage stronger being able to lean into that as well. Mm-hmm. Instead of seeing it as like a competition. Cause I yeah. think sometimes it can feel like, yeah, I think the complementarity versus competition of it. And, um, yeah. And the invitation to be perfected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Through that. I love that. The other uniquely kind of Catholic thing too, right? So I would have, in my evangelical days, uh, we often would look at Catholics and Catholic marriage as not real, often not a real commitment, because we would see, of course, Catholic marriages that weren't really uh, founded on a good understanding of of church teaching, or perhaps uh, nominal Catholic marriages, right? And seeing these, uh, of people not understanding, I guess, really what, what, or, or living out their Catholic faith authentically, I guess, really, and knowing what the Catholic faith teaches about marriage, right? So, 
those were often pictures that we would have got looking from the outside into the Catholic Church. I can think of Catholic friends whose, whose parents were, were divorced, you know, Catholic marriages that, that began and stumbled, ended quite quickly. In hindsight, I understand now that many of these people that I was looking at from the outside weren't genuinely trying to or knew how to practice their faith in a serious mm-hmm. way. So they weren't really the, the best examples of Catholic marriage lived out. When I began to investigate the Catholic faith, uh, my wife and I, we, we were enamored with things like natural family planning and the Catholic vision of marriage and, and family. And one of the things that struck me and struck both of us was the Catholic idea of there's no divorce. Like we're taking Jesus at his word. And Catholic marriage, uh, you know, the, there, there are, of course, annulments, which is a whole kind of other category. It's not Catholic divorce. But really in the Catholic mm-hmm. world, like there, there is not such a thing as as divorce because you are joined in in one flesh. Where we began to see as evangelicals, many people that we knew, even evangelical church, getting divorces, right? Despite being Bible believing Christians who could read there what Christ said in Scripture that you you shouldn't divorce your spouse, it, it was happening, and I I think it's happening more and more in, in non-Catholic Christian circles. And we were enamored with the fact that the Catholic Church kind of remains stalwart in this kind of uh, dusty old teaching that marriage is, is forever. How do we, mm-hmm. I wonder if you have anything to, to say on that, to unpack the idea of, of what marriage is in terms of the, 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 the finality, the sacramentalness of, of marriage, and how that's different from almost every other kind of marriage, I think think that's out there mm. that question makes sense <laughs> yeah um w- one thing i remember reading is that that uh at least secularly but i think this has definitely creeped into a lot of catholic and christian circles is that we see we see relationships as as like progressing like so there's dating there's engaged and then there's marriage um but the reality is that that from engagement to marriage is not a difference of degree but it's a difference of kind it's it's a completely different yes. relationship when you're married, um, and that's something that's that you you ontologically are different now because you're married, um, and I think that's something that most people, I think just in general, don't fully appreciate or understand. Um, we've done a, a lot of different marriage. Um, uh, I'd say marriage mentorship. Um, and even if, if we know couples are, are living together and, and we're encouraging them to, to not live together, but you know, this, you know, they're, they're, they have their reasons and we're not able to speak too much into that, but we're able to let them know when you get married though, you're a different relationship. Yeah, yeah. You may not think it, but you'll be a different relationship. Things will change. You again, you may think we're crazy, but there's a reality there that changes. Um, and, and inevitably they come back like, yeah, yeah things are different. We, we got married and all of a sudden there's, there's this forever that's in there that, that that's scary. And you're not fully, you know, you maybe didn't fully appreciate it before. Um, but, but the reality that marriage is a different type of relationship than any other relationship. I think, I think I'm happy the church is where it is and it stands and keeps telling and reminding everyone that it is, it's a different relationship. You can't, and it's the relationship that that holds up society because that's where families are, are born from. And this is, you know, where we extend, uh, the, the reality of our faith. But, um, I think starting there, um, makes a big difference. Yeah. So admittedly, like you said, starting there, we started kind of backwards. We started from a, what we don't want our relationship to be like. Um, we both come from parents who have gotten divorced. So we saw, and both of, we were both raised Catholic. So we saw a lot of what you were seeing from the outside. Um, and so our like mission statement, so to speak for the first few years of marriage was don't get divorced (laughs) (laughs) instead of, instead of what are, what are we actually living for? We were like, what are we not going to do? And, um, and we realized that that was, that was such a shortcoming for us because it didn't give us a, a, didn't give us a, like a strategic plan of, of what to do. Um, and one of the, um, I mean, one of the phrases that we just, we grew to deeper appreciate and then really integrate into our, our married life into our, just like into our souls is that to become one flesh. And that's kind of where our apostolate name came from to become family. Um, that, that new reality, like two people have now become one. Um, and that is not something that can ever be undone. Um, and, and you, you start to see that with the intimacy and the deepness of living as husband and wife work. Like, even if 
crazy struggles come and they, they will, right. That we've now just been joined in such a way that is like, there's no way to untangle that. And, um, and God actually like says that that's good. So, you know, sometimes we can feel like, oh, that is so murky and, and God, flips that on his head. And Jesus says, that is, that is the goodness of marriage, that all of that intertwinedness is actually what it's meant to be. Right. And then when you, when we go back to what we were saying before that, like we are the image of church, we are the image of, yes, of yes. Jesus's relationship with us. It's like, yeah, that's how intimate and messy and beautiful his love for us is that, you know, and then I kind of bringing in a bunch of stuff, but like covenant and Eucharist and like all, what all of that means. Like we become part of Jesus's body when we receive the Eucharist, right. And that can't torn apart. And, and we, yeah. And that's what it means to be Christian. That relationship is forever. So, um, yeah, I'm kind of babbling now at this point. (laughs) What's beautiful though, about the Catholic church's teachings on marriage and sexuality is that, if you do get married, so say, you know, you do have this baggage from prior relationships or anything, and you, you, you are able to be married in the Catholic church and, and you're following your faith, the church really does the, the, begins the redeeming right away because of what can be perceived from the outside as a lot of rules. Um, from the inside, it's, it's, it's really checking your heart and making sure that you are in a position where you can fully give yourself to your spouse um, and, and that you could fully be healed from the things of your past, fully be healed from sins that, that you've committed or have been committed against you. And, and there's, that's a lot of work. And I'll, I, there, I, again, maybe not the right word, like I said, but it's, there's a grinding to it of like, there's, there's a lot of work here that needs to be done, but things like natural family planning and, and um, even just the, the idea that you have to be chased within marriage, like that's yeah, uniquely yeah. Catholic, but that's uniquely healing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we experienced that in a very, it was very healing for us, but I know particularly for me, um, I unfortunately bought into the idea early on in marriage that like, Oh, you know, just cause I'm married now, like I don't have to uh, control my passions as often as I, as I previously needed to. And uh, St. John Paul quickly put me in my place um, <laughs> from reading love and responsibility. Uh, there's a line there where he says that man needs to first be convinced that he doesn't need. Um, and I forget the, I always forget the last part either. It's, it's something to the effect of like, you don't, the man needs to be convinced that he doesn't need a fulfillment for all of his passions. That he doesn't, that, that he can have self-control. Um, and again, I think that's very uniquely Catholic yeah. to, to emphasize that virtue needs to be present in order for you to be fully giving to your spouse. Um, and then there's just a lot of healing that, that happens because, it, so I think the church is, the church is the answer or the, the marriage, the teachings, the teachings on marriage and family from the church is the answer to the, the, the dysfunction and, and the woundedness that we're coming into now in, in this current generation with where we are with, uh, with our sexuality. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I love that. that. That's, that's awesome stuff. And I want to, that leads into my next topic perfectly. And that is the idea of natural family planning and the Catholic view of, of sex and sexuality. And I think you're absolutely right that it is the antidote to the current state of the world because the teaching is just so, uh, so different. Like the idea of chastity uh, to begin with at all and the chastity within marriage Right, and the idea that that sort of unlimited access to whatever you want all the time in these films of your, of your passions—that's so countercultural. But I gotta tell you, but so many people who I I have on this show to tell their conversion stories, or who write into the show with their stories and say, "Hey, you know, I became Catholic. Here's some reasons why," or or who have questions. So often these days, so many times, natural family planning. Catholic view of sexuality is at the core of what is bringing people into the fullness of the Catholic Church. They see this, they encounter this, and they go, this is amazing. This is beautiful teaching. This is what I, I was looking for, right? I know, I know for us, and the, I guess the opposite is this too. I, I had Jimmy Aiken from Catholic Answers on my show ages ago, and we're talking about why Catholics leave the faith. Uh, why they become atheists and that kind of thing. And, and he said kind of glibly, but he also meant it, is they, they just want to have sex. And they don't, they don't want to, you know, it's not theology, it's not apologetics, it's, no, they want to have sex whenever they want to. And that's why they either don't become Catholic after, you know, hearing the arguments, or they leave the Catholic faith, because they want things on their mm-hmm. own terms. You, know, you mentioned before the idea of, of rules, and yeah, there might seem to be a lot of rules around sex and sexuality, but they're there for 
for a reason. They're not really rules either. They're they're a beautiful framework, I, I think, really. <laughs> but they are drawing in way more than they are they're driving away or, or discouraging. So I wonder if you can just kind of lay maybe a bit of a framework around what we mean when we say natural family planning and maybe the Catholic view. Again, these, these big questions for you to try and unpack. I'm, I'm sorry. But the Catholic view <laughs> of, of what sex is, I guess, without marriage, just sex in general, and then what is intended for, I guess, within marriage. If you can, I don't know, try and summarize that for, for that could again be a whole, a whole series of, of conversations. I don't sure. know <laughs> where you'd begin. Oh, so it's my turn to nerd out, I guess. Yes, Natural it is. Family <laughs> planning is the thing that I just love. Yeah. Um, so we discovered natural family planning actually before we were even engaged. Um, during, you know, during the conversion process in high school, going into college, um, I read a book by Kimberly Hahn called Life Giving Love. And um, just in one chapter, there's a, a piece on contraception. And, um, and I had been on contraception for years purely because I went to the doctor when I was 14. I had, you know, I had issues with my um, cycle. And so she gave me the pill and everything was fixed and la-di-da. So I had never been challenged by that because a lot of what I heard too was like, well, if you're not on contraception for like not having a baby, then it's fine. And so I was never like, I never knew that there was another option. Um, and so when I was like 19 or 20 years old, um, I started investigating natural family planning and I was just mind blown. So fertility awareness, I guess I'll backtrack just yeah. like one step, but fertility awareness is like learning that you're actually able to decipher the woman's fer- fertile cycle, um, and like know when a woman is fertile, when she's not fertile and a man is always fertile. Um, so using different methods and using different ways to, um, like learning how a female body communicates with her, you're able to, to determine those fertile and infertile times of the woman's cycle. Your period doesn't have to show up by a surprise. You know, a lot of the symptoms that you feel you can get explanations for. Um, and I can, you know, I won't go on a tangent, but on all the ways that there are doctors that can help to heal, you know, a lot of these fertility issues such as myself and why I was on the pill for so many years. But within marriage, we can use that information of fertility awareness to use natural family planning. So in the discernment between husband and wife and, and the Lord, when you can use that information to help plan your family. So if um, you are trying to conceive a baby, you can use that to your advantage. And during that fertile window of the woman's cycle, again, because the man is always fertile, um, you can try to conceive a baby by having sex. And then if you're avoiding having a baby for whatever the discernment reasons are, um, then you would just avoid that fertile window um, of, of the female cycle. And that's where a lot of the practice of chastity comes into play. And the, you know, the like you, you can have passion for one another and you can be sexually attracted to your spouse, but that doesn't mean you have to act on that at every moment because there's a greater good for your family in that moment. And that is to not conceive at that time again, because of whatever those reasons for your family are. Yeah. And St. John Paul in love and responsibility talks about how the difference between um, using natural family planning to um, avoid pregnancy and using any type of contraception or artificial means um, is because one requires virtue. So it's just to, to avoid and, and one is a, a natural way of, of using your virtue so that you don't uh, conceive. Um, and I think that's, that's really important to note because some people can think of NFP as like, Oh, it's the same thing, but like, no, one, one is artificial, one is natural and, and naturally reading the woman's body, but one also requires virtue, um, because there's no virtue requirement for using contraception that just gives you your allowance to do whatever you want, whenever you want. Whereas, whereas NFP, like there's, there's times where you have to avoid and, and, and it's not like those avoiding times are, Oh, those are easy times. Um, like, so some, some couples have to avoid a significant amount of time because of health reasons or whatever. Um, and the, the virtue that's required, you have to build up and, and there's so much perfecting of yourself and so much redeeming of yourselves and your spouse and just being able to, 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 I think you're able to give yourself as a better gift to your spouse when you're able to actually say yes or no in different situations. Yeah. 
And the beauty of natural family planning as well is it it respects the dignity of each spouse. So in the way that the wife was created and the way that the man, the husband was created, um, we're respecting that that's the way that God has designed each of us as a whole human person. Um, and, and so in that self gift or in that gift of, of virtue to one another, um, we are respecting the wholeness of our spouse at that time. Um, and I just think that that, again, is one of the antidotes to so many of the problems that we're seeing right now is that like, if we, like my fertility is a part of what makes me a whole wife. And so when Renzo said yes to marrying me, that was part of it. And then the same goes for him as well. Like I, I accept his, I not just accept what I say yes to his fertility and his masculinity and all the pieces that, that make him, him, um, so natural family planning respects the dignity of that um, so that we can be total gift to one another mm-hmm. and not kind of what you're saying before, like compartmentalize. And I accept everything except this part because it's the hard part. It's the scary part, um, you know, and, and, and yeah, there is this, there is a element of surrender when you feel like you give up control and you throw away contraception or you, you know, you avoid sterilization or whatever there is, there is, yeah, absolutely an element of surrender. Um, but like, we're called to that in like every aspect of our life. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and like, why is this the thing that's the most scary? I'm not really sure, you know, but it does, it does feel scary, um, sometimes, but, um, well, there's like an undoing of what happened in the garden in in a sense too, because that we're no longer, um, well, for, for one another, like we don't have the fig leaves, like we're not, cause like our fertility and preventing our fertility is a way of sowing fig leaves and preventing each other from being fully naked Mm -hmm. without shame. But then similarly, um, preventing our fertility and the possibility of getting, uh, of having a child, um, is also like Adam hiding from God in the garden. Like there's this, this, we don't want to give everything fully to him, mm-hmm. um, and really put everything in his hands. So like NFP works, Yes, it is very, very effective, but there's still this sense of like, but I'm giving this over to God because, you know, if God wants a child to happen and child be born, that that's, that is God's will. And we have to be willing to do that. And I think that's, that's where like all this comes full circle because we can know, and we, we are 99%, you know, if this is uh, um, with that, with human error or whatever, but there's still the reality that we, we are still giving all of ourselves to each other and mm-hmm. fully to God as well. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to theology of the body. Like when we have sex with one another, we are communicating a truth to one another through our bodies. And if we are contracepting, then, what we are trying to communicate with our bodies is actually not fully honest and authentic. Um, you know, when I'm trying to say, I give you myself entirely, but actually I'm withholding something, then that's, that's a barrier within marriage that goes beyond fertility as well. And I think that that's, it's a gut check for people because they're like, Oh shoot, I only want it to be, you know, a barrier to my fertility. But, but if we want, complete and total intimacy with our spouse. And if we want to be fully accepted by our spouse and loved by our spouse, then we have to be willing to shed the fig leaves for one another. Um, so, and I just I like just another nerdy plug for NFP, but, um, like fertility awareness is just so good for one, for the woman to start to really understand herself a little bit better, that she's not a complete mystery to herself. And then to invite the husband to, to fully like appreciate and understand that as well is is a whole level of a whole different level of intimacy. Um, and then I know that there are so many like fertility issues for couples and fertility awareness is, is a way to dive deeper into the root of that and, um, and to seek healing, whether it's, whether it's healing of fertility or even just like healing of feeling broken, um, Mm -hmm. or not understood or, um, yeah, what have you? <laughs> I love that, guys. That's awesome. And there's there's so much in there. I mean, to unpack again, I mentioned this, this would be a whole series just on on that this one topic. But the the, the fact of, of contraception, right? The, again, kind of like divorce. The Catholic Church kind of stands, you know, last in line there that says, you know, what contraception we we can't accept. 
And and the reasons why you've really eloquently explained that, I think, in, in this discussion here, it, it flows from the same reasons why in marriage you're growing as a couple. And there's times of chastity which help you to grow in virtue. And there's that giving of yourself to one another that help you to grow in virtue. And there's that trusting in God and, and all those things that, again, makes you more like Christ. I mean, all these things, I think, just fit so coherently together. And I, I think that the people that I, that I talk to day in and day out who, who find this nowhere else but the Catholic Church, right, that speaks so strongly <laughs> against contraception and explains so elo- eloquently, better than I can pronounce the word, why that's <laughs> something that the Church says, no, you, you, we can't do this, that's not part of the plan, and here's why, in such beautiful, like, fulsome explanation. I mean, like, what you guys have outlined here so succinctly really just explains the whole concept of marriage. Like, like th- this small aspect of it is a picture of marriage, you know, writ large, that you're growing with one another more like Christ. And this is one aspect of that, right? But it speaks to the whole realm of marriage. And, and I think so many are turning to that because they don't find that elsewhere, right? I can think of books that we read as a young evangelical couple. And we, had a, we were in a weird situation where we, for the first bit of our marriage, even evangelicals were contracepting, and quite early on realized that we didn't like that. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't natural. Little did we know we were being uh, you know, prepared in advance to become Catholic. And, but <laughs> then when we encountered the Catholic teaching on this, we're like, oh, we already believe this. This already is, is yeah. what we believe. And so that part of it was quite easy for us to make that, make that transition. But I think many are finding that same route where there's nowhere else Nowhere else in the world that's going to tell you, you shouldn't use contraception, and, and here's why. Or there are times when you can actually be chased with your spouse for, for good reasons, and hey, women, you can learn how your body actually works and follow that cycle and understand yourself better. Like, the, the Catholic Church is, maybe I'm wrong about, I, about this, but the, the forerunner for these topics that I think more and more people are, are being drawn towards. Are you guys sensing that, like, from your, because from your, it seems like the conversation that I have, this is a thing that's drawing lots in, because nowhere else in the world is doing what we're doing in the, in the Catholic Church. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely think, I, I see a lot of, I see a lot of women um, turning to fertility awareness, just even as a, like, just a natural alternative to being on contraception, and they just, They've heard so many lies of like, yeah, but, but yeah. what is actually wrong with me? Like I came here to find to like, I came here for help and then you gave me the pill and then you told me to come back when I'm ready to have a baby. Like that didn't fix anything, you know, and what is, what is the source of this? Or just even like, why do I need to do something if, if everything's working right? You know, and there's a lot of women that are like, this doesn't make sense either. Um, and I just, I, I can't help but think that that's the promptings of the Holy Spirit and the feminine genius of like, no, I'm made good. I am made this way and that is good. And that um, like, I'm worthwhile getting to know and I'm worthwhile getting to understand. And, and I think that that's important for women. I think that, um, I think that that's one of the things that the church has done to also prove that she respects masculinity and femininity like at its very core and that there's not this competition it's a complementarity and by like sticking to her guns and saying like no contraception is it it removes that dignity of both men and Mm -hmm. women um and the way that they were created i think it just keeps showing that she's she's here for the whole person um and then again like you said within marriage to elevate that to a different degree to like, like that is what creates new life. Like the way that you were made invites you to be co-creators and fruitful with, with God. And, um, and I think sometimes too, like that piece gets, gets lost in the mix of um, like, yeah, just creating a whole new person. Like what we get to do that. (laughs) Are you kidding? And like, and like, yeah, just the magnitude of like a p- part of you and part of me and, and like not even part of you, but like all of you and all of me creates a whole new person. And 
each time a new one is created, they come out different. And they, like, <laughs> it just proves, it proves the dignity of the human yeah. person though, because you're like, it's the same recipe every time, but it is a different outcome. <laughs> like they, there is whole, a whole other human. Yeah. And I would say from, from the, um, from the perspective of masculinity, I think there's a lot of like odd movements out there right now that are, that are calling men to, to be, to be, have more self-control to, to be, you know, more, more in self-possession so that they eat disciplined. Um, but they're not, it's not the fullness of what people are looking for. And I think that's found specifically in the Catholic church and it's exemplified in the Catholic church's teaching on marriage and sexuality. Um, because I think the, the discipline and the, the, the virtue that men are looking for, kid to live out is fully lived out within marriage. Um, cause it's not about, you know, lifting weights and, and being super strong, but, but having that self possession so you could become a self gift to your spouse. And I think a lot of men, um, are intimidated, can be intimidated by like, Oh, I, you know, the, 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 even not no more contraception or marriage, but, um, the church loves you enough to, to, to want to elevate you beyond what you think you could do. And, and I think that there's, there's a beauty there that, that I hope, um, starts becoming more prevalent out there because I think the church it, it wants wants its sons to be to be fully masculine and, and that's that's something that can be lived out in NFP and in marriage. That's that's awesome. That's so well said, Renzo. I love that, guys. I want to give you a chance. One last question, if I can, just to anything else that you think. I'm thinking of the person listening to the show who's loved this. This is an awesome conversation, guys. I think you're doing a fantastic job selling Catholic marriage. So thank you. Not that that, that sounds terrible, but I think you know what I mean. Is there, is there anything else in closing that you want? We want someone to know about when they're looking into. Okay, what is Catholic marriage? what does the Catholic Church believe about sex within marriage how does it all make sense is there anything else you want to, you want to touch on that we haven't that, that you wanted to say before someone goes and, and, they're, and they're left wondering and thinking about this stuff yeah no I don't want to you really. can go first no no you go okay you go. I, I think I one thing that's, that's unique about um, at least what we've experienced within the Catholic Church and Catholic marriage is that the church is very open to building up the human formation as well as the spiritual formation. Um, so, so even if you have all of the theology down and you still feel like you're struggling, that's okay. Um, but that there's, there's more human formation that has to happen. There's more like learning to communicate well with your spouse, learning to, to understand what, 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 you know, receive criticism and communication without being offended. Like oh, those little things, <laughs> though they might seem like they're, they're not part of the theology and the whole yeah. thing, like they are. And that's something that, that I think is very Catholic to be like, no, you're, you're an integrated human. Like you need to work on both of these in order to make your marriage work. Um, and I think that was something that we found a lot of freedom in realizing like, Oh, it's not bad that though we know all the theology, we still have a lot, a little spats over things that we shouldn't have. So I love it. Yeah. Um, and I think I want to piggyback on that, but, um, I would love for people to feel a sense of restored confidence in marriage and family life. And that they, that like, you have what it takes to be married, to do this. Like we talked a lot about, like, there's a lot of stuff to marriage. Like there's a lot of heart, there's, there's virtue building and discipline and you're going to face trials, but like you have what it takes for this adventure because, because it's your vocation. Like God has chosen you for that, believes in you like believes that that's what can get you to heaven and like trusts you and empowers you. And that like you have what it takes, but it's within the sacrament. So it's not just your own willpower, but like it's sacramental grace infused in your discipline and in your human formation and in your willpower. And that that's where the fullness of the church comes from is that like, yeah, if you just try to do this on your own, you will fail but she's got your back yeah. and, and, and God is, is so, is so desperate to give you grace, to give you the grace to do this. So like run to the sacraments, um, and, and run, like run to the foot of the cross because that's where Jesus wants to pour out his very life for you. Um, so yeah, like you have what it takes, you have what it takes to be on this adventure of marriage. Um, and, and yeah, you have a whole, a whole team rooting for you from heaven and, uh, you know, a whole, a whole body of Christ rooting for you in the pews and yeah, all that. 
<laughs> that's that's great. I love that. That's that's very well said. I don't want to sound rude, but I'm up here in Canada, and as you were talking, I was googling how far away Connecticut was, so I can just you know <laughs> nine hours. I think we'll just pack up the family and we'll come down and just hang out, guys, because. You guys, you, guys, you guys are amazing. I'll, I'll wake them all up. I'll get them in the car. I'll put the trailer on the back, the, the camper, the pop-up camper, and we can just come down and hang oh, out for a bit. Perfect. Guys, awesome. I love making yes, brunch, you so you just oh come. My gosh. Got, we, I'll get the whipped cream ready. We are huge lovers of brunch. You know what? We moved here to this new town. We're in Sarnia, Ontario, just across the border from Detroit. And we moved here, and immediately we're falling in with this family, a, a group of Catholic families who meet for brunch every Sunday after Mass. So brunch oh, is like a awesome. thing we love. Perfect. So you guys could also come up here and enjoy brunch, right. brunch with us. So we'll, we'll figure it out after the show. But I love this, guys. <laughs> you guys are amazing. This has been so much fun. I know listener, listeners will love this and want to know more where they can find you guys. So where do you want to send them towards where they can, and I'll put links in the show notes, where they can listen to you, where they can see you, read your stuff. It's awesome, guys. Where do you want to point them towards? Um, so we, our podcast is called pre with the Pope. Um, inspired by the writings of JP2, the wisdom of JP2, um, that can be found on any podcast platform. Um, on Instagram, our handle is at to become family and that's T W O. Um, we have a website to become family.com. Um, and if you're interested in learning more about St. Joseph, um, Renzo wrote a, um, consecration book for adults. And then we co-authored one for children, go to Joseph and that's on Amazon. <laughs> it's fantastic stuff, guys. It's awesome. I'm so glad to have you on the show. Uh, personally, it's been a pleasure. I love it guys. And listeners are going to love this conversation. So thank you. I want to say God bless you guys, your amazing work you're doing for the church and your family. And thanks so much for being here today, guys. Uh, thank you so much. Thank for you so much us. for this having us. This is a lot us. of fun. <laughs> Nine hours and 22 minutes was my was my Google Maps uh, result of looking up where uh, Renzo and Monica live to go and see them and visit them, guys. Because I just loved, I want more of that and more and more. They're awesome people. If you watch this video on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Cultural Catholic, you will see how lovingly they looked at one another, how they play off one another, how they communicate and, and smile and, and laugh. And they're an amazing couple with an amazing uh, apostle at ministry. Hopefully you enjoyed that little sneak preview into this amazing, massive topic in Catholicism that I think is so important to bring to audiences who may not have heard these things before because it's rich, it's beautiful. I absolutely love it. Hopefully you do too. Let me know. CordialCatholic at gmail.com is our email just for your feedback. TheCordialCatholic.com is the website. We're on social media, Facebook at The Cordial Catholic, on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at Cordial Catholic. And of course, you can watch what you're hearing here, youtube.com slash The Cordial Catholic. If you want to support the show financially with your gifts, head over to patreon.com slash cordialcatholic or paypal.me slash cordialcatholic to support this show. It's not my full-time job, guys, so your support helps make it possible for our family to do this week after week. It's a big-time commitment. It's it's tricky. It's a lot of work. It, it's, it's costly. So thank you for your support of the show. And if you're considering supporting the show, and pray on it. And those links are in the show notes. And thank you. If you listen on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, please make sure you subscribe to the show and leave a rating or review. That would be awesome. Talk to you again next week, guys. Thanks for listening. Pray for me. I'm praying for you too. God bless. This show is brought to you in a special way by our co-producer patrons over at patreon.com slash cordialcathy. A special thanks to Ellie and Tom, Kelvin and Susan, Stephen, Suzanne and Victor, Phil, Noah, Nicole, Michelle, Jordan, John, James, Gina, and Aram for your special support at the co-producer tier and making this thing possible. You guys are fantastic. God bless and thanks for your support.